Hello all my nieces and nephews and welcome to Auntie Jojo's Library. My library is open to all listeners but it was specifically created for my seven wonderful nieces and nephews. This episode I'm going to be reading chapters 7, 8, and 9 from the Calico Illustrated Classics, Anne of Green Gables. If you're interested in this version of Anne of Green Gables, you can visit getepic.com. That's G-E-T-E-P-I-C.com. They have over 40,000 plus books with no ads, which means you can read interrupted. Parents currently get a 30-day free trial, but Auntie Jojo has a trial. So if it's something that you're interested in looking into, please let me know. Let's get started. Chapter 7. Boring Lessons How do you like them? asked Marilla, standing tall with pride. Anne looked at all three new dresses spread out on her bed. She frowned. Marilla had sewed the dresses herself, and they were all the same. Plain. Plainer than plain. I'll imagine that I like them, said Anne. Would that be okay? I don't want you to imagine it, said Marilla, offended. Oh, I can see you don't like the dresses. What's the matter with them? It took me hours to make them. Anne hesitated, for she didn't want to hurt Marilla's feelings. Finally, she spoke up. They're not pretty, said Anne reluctantly. Not pretty at all. Pretty? Marilla sniffed. I didn't want to make pretty dresses for you. I don't believe in pampering vanity, Anne. I'll tell you that right off. Those dresses are good, sensible dresses. No frills. They'll be all you get this summer. The brown gingham and the blue print will be worn when you go to school. The satin one is for church and Sunday school. I'll expect you to keep them neat and clean. I should think you'd be grateful to get most anything after those skimpy things you've been wearing. Oh, I I am grateful, said Anne, but I'd be ever so more grateful and thrilled if you'd made just one of them with puffy sleeves. Just one of them would be more than fine. Puff sleeves are so fashionable right now. I would so love to be fashionable, to have a fashionable dress, Marilla. I've never had one. You'll have to do it without your thrill. I didn't, I hadn't any material to waste on puff sleeves. I think they're ridiculous looking things anyhow. She scooped up the dresses and handed them to Anne. Hang the dresses carefully up in your closet, then sit down and learn your Sunday school lesson. The next morning, a headache prevented Marilla from going to Sunday school with Anne. You'll have to go down and call for Miss Rachel, Anne, she said. She'll see that you get into the right class. Behave yourself properly. Anne dressed in her plain dress and matching hat. She had hoped for a hat with ribbons and flowers. Now that would be fashionable. Before Anne reached the main road, she found a field with buttercups and wild roses. Anne picked a handful and then had a splendid idea. She decorated her hat with a heavy wreath of both roses and tiny buttercups. She she was having so much fun that she almost forgot to go see Miss Rachel. When she finally reached Miss Rachel's, she found it empty. She So she quickly walked to the church alone, hoping Miss Rachel wouldn't give her a scolding for being late. On the porch, she found a crowd of little girls. They stared, they stared at her with curious eyes. Avonlea girls had already heard stories about Anne. Miss Rachel said she had an awful temper. Jerry Boat 
the hired boy at Green Gables said she talked to herself or to the trees and flowers like a crazy girl. The girls looked at her and whispered. Nobody introduced themselves. Soon, she found herself in Miss Rogerson's class. Miss Rogerson was a middle-aged lady who had, taught, who had taught class for 20 years. She barely looked at anyone and spoke nonstop in a flat voice. Anne did not think she liked Miss Rogerson. She soon grew miserable as she noticed that every girl in the class had puff sleeves. Anne let out a deep sigh. She tried to be a good listener but found herself thinking of everything else but religion. Well, how did you like Sunday school? Marilla wanted to know when Anne came home, her wreath having faded, and Anne left it in the lane. I didn't like it a bit. It was quite dreadful and no one was friendly, Anne said. Anne Shirley, Mar said Marilla, such nonsense. Anne sat down at the rocker. She sat down on the rocker. She kissed one of Bonnie's leaves and waved her hand to a blossoming fuchsia. Everyone was dreadful, said Anne. It was boring, terribly boring, and I noticed every girl had puffy sleeves but me. You shouldn't have been thinking about your sleeves in Sunday school. You should have been learning the lesson. I hope you knew it. I answered a lot of questions. Miss Rogerson asked so many, too many. It seemed that no one had any imagination there. Marilla smiled when she thought of her own thoughts about the lessons at Sunday school she once sat through. For when she was Anne's age, she felt the exact same way. Chapter 8 A New Friend it wasn't until the next Friday that Marilla heard the story of the floral hat at Miss Rachel's house. She was quite the sight, said Miss Rachel. Marilla gave a scolding to Anne, which made her weep. Don't cry any more. I've got news for you. Diana Barry came home this afternoon. I'm going to see if I can borrow a skirt pattern from Miss Barry. If you like, you can come with me and get to know Diana. Anne rose to her feet. Tears glistened on her cheeks. Oh, Marilla, I'm frightened. What if she shouldn't like me? It would be the most tragical disappointment of my life. Don't get into a fluster, and I do not wish you and I do wish you wouldn't use such long words. It sounds so funny in a little girl. Diana will like you well enough. It's her mother you've got to reckon with. If she doesn't like you, it won't matter how much Diana likes you. If she has heard about your outburst to Miss Rachel and going to church with buttercups on your hat, I don't know what she'll think of you. You must be polite and well-behaved. Don't, don't make any of your startling speeches. Oh, Marilla, you'd be flustered too if you were going to meet a little girl and you hope to be your kind, you hope to be your kinder spirit, Anne said. They went over to the orchid slope by the shortcut across the brook. Miss Barry came to the kitchen door. She was a tall, black-eyed, black black-haired woman. She had the reputation of being very strict with her children. How do you do, Marilla? She said cordially. Come in. And is this the little girl you have adopted, I suppose? Yes, this is Anne Shirley, said Marilla. Spelled with an E, gasped Anne. Miss Barry, Barry, Barry merely shook hands and said, How are you? I am well, thank you, said Anne. Diana was sitting on the sofa reading a book. She was a pretty little girl with her mother's black hair and black eyes and hair and rosy cheeks. Sorry, guys, I'll eventually learn how to read. <laughs> this is my little girl, Diana, and Miss Barry. Oh, goodness. Okay. This is my little girl, said Miss Barry. 
Diana, take Anne out to the garden. Show her your flowers. It will be better for you than straining your eyes over the book. She reads entirely too much. Angelina. I'm glad she had a playmate now. Outside in the garden, Anne and Diana stood, gazing at each other over the clumps of tiger lilies. Oh, Diana, said Anne at last, do you think you can like me a little, enough to be my best friend? Diana laughed. Diana always laughed before she spoke. <laughs> Why, I guess so. I'm awfully glad you've, become, you've come to live at Green Gables. It will be nice to have someone to play with. There isn't any other girl who lives near enough to play with, and I've no sisters big enough. Will you swear to be my best friend forever and ever? Demanded Anne eagerly. Diana looked shocked. Why, it's dreadfully wicked to swear. Oh, no, not that kind of swearing, said Anne. There are two kinds, you know. I only know the one kind, said Diana. There really is another, said Anne. Oh, it isn't wicked at all. It just means vowing and promising, promising, so solemnly. Well, I don't mind doing that, agreed Diana. How do you do it? We must join hands, said Anne. I'll repeat the oath first. I solemnly swear to be faithful to my best friend, Diana Barry, as long as the sun and the moon shall live. Now you say it and put my name in it. Diana repeated the oath with a laugh, and then she said, You're a strange girl, Anne. I heard before that you were odd, but I believe I'm going to like you. Well, did you find Diana a kindred spirit? said Marilla as they went up through the Garden of Green Gables. Oh, yes, sighed Anne. She wasn't aware of Marilla's sarcasm. Oh, Marilla, I'm the happiest girl on Prince Edward Island this very moment. Diana and I are going to build a playhouse in the birch grove tomorrow. Can I have those broken pieces of china that are out in the woodshed? Diana's birthday is in February and mine is in March. Do you think that that is a very strange coincidence? Diana is going to lend, a book, lend me a book to read. She says it's perfectly splendid and tremendously exciting. She's going to show me a place back in the woods where rice lily lilies grow. She's going to give me a picture to put in my room. I wish I had something to give Diana. We're going to the shore someday to gather shells. Well, all I hope is you won't talk Diana to death, said Marilla. But remember, this is all you're planning, Anne. You're not going to play all the time. You'll have to you'll have work to do and it'll be it'll have to be done first. Anne's cup of happiness was full, and Matthew caused it to overflow. He had just got home from a trip to the store. He sheepishly produced a small parcel from his pocket and handed it to Anne. I heard you say you like chocolates and sweets, so I got you some. Hmm, sniffed Marilla. It'll ruin her teeth and stomach. There, there, child. Don't look so dismal. You can eat those since Matthew has got gone and gotten them for you. He'd better have brought you peppermints. They're better for you. Don't sicken yourself eating them all at once. Oh, no, indeed I won't, said Anne eagerly. I'll just eat one tonight, Marilla, and I can give Diana half of them, can't I? The other half will taste twice as sweet to me if I give, if I give to someone. It's delightful to think I have something to give her. I will say this of Anne, said Marilla when Anne had gone to bed. She isn't stingy. I'm glad, for of all faults, I detest stinginess in a child. Dear me, it's only three weeks since she has come. It seems as if she's always been here. I can't imagine the place without her. Now don't be looking all I told you so, Matthew. 
That's bad enough in a woman, but worse when a man does it. I'm perfectly willing to own up that I'm glad I agreed to keep the child and that I'm getting fond of her, but don't rub it in, Matthew. Chapter 9, The Prankster in School. Let's see if I can read this chapter a little bit easier than the other two chapters I've read for this episode. So here we go. The Avonlea School was white was a whitewashed building. It was furnished inside with old-fashioned desks that opened and shut. All were carved with the initials of three generations of school children. The schoolhouse was set back from the road. Behind it was a brook where all children put their bottles of milk in the morning to keep them cool. Marilla had many secret misgivings when Anne started school in September. Anne was such an odd girl. How would she get on with the other children? And how on earth would she ever manage to hold her tongue during school hours? Things went better than Marilla feared, however. Anne came home that evening in high spirits. I think I'm going to like going to school, she announced. I don't think much of the master, though. He's always making eyes at Prissy Andrews. Prissy is 16. Tilly Butcher says the master is sweet on her. Anne Shirley, don't let me hear you talking about your teacher in that way again, said Marilla. You don't go to school to criticize the master, and I want you to understand that you aren't to come home telling tales about him. That is something I won't encourage. I hoped you were a good girl. Indeed I was, said Anne. It wasn't as hard as you might imagine either. I sat with Diana. Our seat is right by the window. We can look down down to the lake of shining waters. There are a lot of nice girls. It was so nice to have a lot of nice girls to play with, but of course I like Diana best and always will. I'm dreadfully far behind the others. They're all in the fifth book and I'm only in the fourth. I feel like I'm kind of a disgrace. We had reading and geography and Canadian history and dictation a day. Miss Phillips said my spelling was disgraceful. She held up my slate so that everybody could see it. Ruby Gillis gave me her apple. apple. Tilly Bolter let me wear her bead ring all afternoon. Whew, well, this chapter may not be any better than the others, but I hope that you guys are still enjoying the reading, even though I'm fumbling for my words here. That was three weeks ago, and all had gone smoothly so far. And now, this crisp September morning, Anne and Diane were walking to school and were two of the happiest girls. I guess Gilbert Blythe will be in school today, said Anne. He's been visiting his cousins in New Brunswick all summer. He only came home Saturday night. He's handsome, Anne. He teases the girls something terrible. You'll have Gilbert in your class after this. He's used to being the head of the class, I can tell you. He's only in the fourth book, although he's nearly 14. Four years ago, his father was sick. He had to go to Alberta for his health. Gilbert went with him. They were there three years, and Gil didn't go to school until they came back. When Miss Phillips was in the back of the room hearing Prissy Andrews Latin, Diana whispered to Anne, That's Gilbert Blythe sitting across the aisle from you. Just look at him. Isn't he handsome? Anne glanced his way. He was a tall boy with curly brown hair, hazel eyes, and a smooth twist into a teasing smile. Gilbert was too busy to notice Anne. He was trying Ruby Gillis's he was tying Ruby Gillis's braids to the back of her chair. When she started to get up, she fell into her seat with a little shriek. 
Everybody looked at her. Miss Phillips glared so sternly that Ruby began to cry. I think your Gilbert Blythe is handsome, confided Anne to Diane, but I think he's very bold. It isn't good manners to tie someone's hair to a chair. But it was not until the afternoon that things really began to happen. Gilbert Blythe was trying to make Anne Shirley look at him and failed. Anne was too busy daydreaming. Gilbert Blythe wasn't used to girls ignoring him. He reached across the aisle and picked up the end of Anne's long red braid. He held it, in, he held it out at arm's length and said in a piercing whisper, Carrots! Carrots! Then Anne looked at him with vengeance. She did more than look. She sprang to her feet. You mean, hateful boy, how dare you, she cried. Anne had brought her slate down on Gilbert's head and cracked the slate in half. Diana gasped. Ruby Gillis began to cry. Mr. Phillips, who I think I've been calling Miss Phillips this whole time. Mr. Phillips stalked down the aisle and laid his head heavily on Anne's shoulder. Anne Shirley, what does this mean? He said angrily. Anne didn't answer. It was asking too much of flesh and blood to expect her to tell him that she had been called carrots. It was my fault, Mr. Phillips, said Gilbert. I teased her. Mr. Phillips ignored Gilbert. I'm sorry to see a pupil of mine displaying such temper, he said. Go and stand on the platform in front of the blackboard for the rest of the afternoon. Anne would have infinitely preferred a whipping to this punishment, but she obeyed. Mr. Phillips took a chalk crayon and wrote on the blackboard above her head, Anne Shirley, A-N-M, has a very bad temper. Anne Shirley must learn to control her temper. She did not cry or hang her head. As for Gilbert, Gilbert Blythe, she would not even look at him. She would never look at him again. She would never speak to him again. When school was dismissed, Anne marched out with her red with her red head held high. Gilbert Blythe tried to stop her at the porch door. I'm awfully sorry I made fun of your hair, Anne, he whispered. Honest, don't be mad for keeps. I shall never forgive, forgive Gilbert Blythe, said Anne firmly. And Mr. Phillips spelled my name without an E, too. On the following day, Mr. Phillips announced that he... He expected to find all the students in their seats when he returned from dinner. Anyone who came in late would be punished. Anne was late in returning, but only by seconds. She was a few seconds behind the group of boys. She had been gathering flowers. Anne Shirley, since you seem to be fond of the boys' company, we shall indulge your taste for it this afternoon, he said sarcastically. Take those flowers out of your hair and sit with Gilbert, with Gilbert Blythe. The other boys snickered. Diana turned pale and pit with pity. Pluck the wreath from Anne's hair. She squeezed her hand. Anne started. Anne stared at the master as if it turned to stone. Did you hear what I said, Anne? Asked Mr. Phillips sternly. Yes, sir, Anne said slowly, but I didn't suppose you really meant it. I assure you I did. Obey me at once, he said. Anne stepped across the aisle, sat down beside Gilbert Blythe, and bur buried her face in, his, in her arms on the desk. To Anne, this was the end of all things. It was bad enough to be singled out for punishment from a dozen equally guilty ones. It was worse still to be sent to sit with a boy, but that boy was Gilbert Blythe. Was, but that boy was Gilbert Blythe was simply unbearable.
Anne felt shamed, angered, and humiliated at first. The other students whispered and giggled. But as Anne never lifted her head, they soon returned to their own work, and Anne was forgotten. When nobody was looking, Gilbert slipped a little pink candy heart with You're Sweet under Anne's arm. Anne took the pink heart between the tips of her fingers and dropped it on the floor and ground it into powder beneath her heel. She then put her head back down without ever glancing at Gilbert. When school was dismissed, Anne marched to her desk and took out everything inside. She piled her books, writing tablet, pen, and ink, testament, and arithmetic on her crack slate. What are you, why are you taking all those things home? Diana wanted to know as soon as they were out on the road. She had not dared to ask the question before. I'm not coming back to school anymore, said Anne. Diana gasped and stared at Anne as if to see if she meant it. Will Marilla let you stay home, she asked. She'll have to, said Anne. I'll never go to school with that man again. Anne told Marilla the same thing when she got home. Nonsense, said Anne, said Marilla. It isn't nonsense at all, said Anne, gazing at Marilla with sad eyes. Don't you understand? I've been insulted. Insulted fiddlesticks. You'll go to school tomorrow as usual. Oh, no, Anne shook her head gently. I'm not going back, Marilla. I'll learn my lessons at home. I'll be as good as I can be and hold my tongue all the time, if at all possible. But I don't want to go back to school, I assure you. I will not go back to school. Marilla saw the stubbornness in Anne's small face. She understood that she would have trouble making Anne return. She understood that she would have trouble making Anne return, but she decided wisely to say nothing more of school just then. Thank you so much for joining me in my library for the reading of chapters 7, 8, and 9 from the Calico Illustrated Classics Anne of Green Gables. Thursday of this week, we will be reading a fairy tale, and then again on Tuesday, we'll continue with chapters of Anne of Green Gables. As always, if you have story requests, email them to me at auntiejojoslibrary at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to sharing more stories with you.